0: Alright, appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15. Last week I I preached on the darkness that's in the world, and I really, I opened this passage and I... I had every intention—not last week, but I had an, every intention of studying and and looking at uh, truths about Jesus Christ, and and I was just so amazed by the darkness, uh, the fact that Jesus delivered us and, and, and from that darkness and the power of that darkness, and uh, started looking at that and and. Uh, I thought, well, man, we really need to look at that. But I want to look at this passage again, and I want us to look at uh, this morning, I want us to see truths about Jesus Christ. I heard a preacher say one time, he said this, he said, uh, he said, you know, two preachers were talking, and, and one preacher asked the other, he said, he said, well, sometimes, he said, I'm just not sure what to preach. And the other preacher was an older, experienced preacher, and he said this, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, you can never go wrong preaching about Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, there's so much. We could spend the rest of our life uh, studying Jesus Christ, and there is so much there uh, about the life of Jesus Christ and who He is uh, that that really I don't know that we'll ever uh, get to the bottom of everything short of arriving in heaven. Uh, because really there is so much truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I heard this song. Matter of fact, I grew up singing it, to be honest with you. Uh, My dad used to sing it with with a guitar. We'd sit around as a family and sing. And and, uh, it's entitled this, His Name is More Than Just a Swear Word. Have you ever heard that song? Uh, I heard it. I grew up singing it. But man, so true. Uh, Boy, the world, to the world he's just a cuss word. They don't know anything else about him. They don't know. Uh, they probably don't even know that he died on the cross to save them from their sins, to be honest with you. Many of them, uh, all they know is, is that his name is a cuss word. And, uh, and the song goes like this. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it's poetic. It says, his name is voiced in every conversation. He's now become a superstar, they say. But oh, the curse it's bringing to our nation when men proclaim His holy name in vain. He's so much more than just a swear word, more than just an I don't care word. How can we use His name so recklessly? Our only hope is in this one word, whosoever will may come word. He's more than just a swear word. He's the precious Son of God. It's hard to understand how those around us are plunging to a lost eternity, and all the while they say the name of Jesus, but they curse the only name that sets them free. He's so much more than just a swear word. He's more than just an I don't care word. How can we use His name so recklessly? Our only hope is in this one word, whosoever will make come word. He's more than just a swear word. He's the precious Son of God. What a wonderful song that is, and uh, uh, so true uh, that Jesus Christ is, is the very precious Son of God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number, well, let's go back to verse number 12, and I'm not going to repreach the message I preached last week, but, uh, but it would be good to recover some of this ground. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12, the Bible says this giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Let me stop right here just for a moment and say this that Paul is he's not he's not expounding uh, on great truths about the Lord Jesus Christ but rather he's giving thanks for the things that Jesus Christ has done in his life. And in doing that, he expounds a great deal about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gives a lot of truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. So in giving thanks, he says this in verse 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. and having made peace through the blood of His cross by by Him, to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You, Father, for the opportunity that we have to study Your Word and to look at uh, the truths about Jesus Christ. And God, what a great deal that was accomplished in Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying on that cross of Calvary and God being buried and then three days later raising from the dead. God, we thank You for the victory of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and His conquering of death, sin, and the hell and the grave. God, I pray that you'd use me as we look at the life of Christ this morning. And Father, as we uh, expose the truths of Jesus Christ this morning, God, may it touch our hearts and may it touch our lives. And Father, uh, may we have a a greater uh, faith in you. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at verse 13, we're not going to cover it again, uh, but I, I did uh, want to say this that he is that Jesus Christ in verse number 13, is the deliverer from dark, the power of darkness. Uh, I read this last, I didn't read this last week, but I found this last week in studying about this uh, darkness and the power of the darkness. And, uh, And this fellow wrote this. He said, darkness was in the beginning of things. And he says, in the darkness of a dungeon, Joseph received his commission to become a government official. In the darkness of midnight, Gideon realized his identity and became an invincible warrior. In the darkness of a fish's belly, Jonah reconciled with God and became a missionary. In the darkness of insomnia, Samuel recorded God's voice and became a prophet. In the darkness of a lion's den, Daniel recognized God as the king of the beasts and became an evangelist to royalty. In the darkness of the tomb, Lazarus was resurrected and became an example of new life in Jesus. In darkness of blind eyes, Paul resolved to live for Christ and became a father of the church. And through the darkness of death, Jesus rose to rescue humanity and reign as the Savior of the world. Boy, there's a lot of truth in all of that. Man, That uh, a lot of times we'll look at the darkness and we're concerned about it, but let me tell you something, when you realize in your dark, that you're in darkness, it's easy to see the light. And Jesus Christ is that light. The Bible says in John 8, 12, Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I'm thankful... We don't have to walk in darkness this morning. I'm thankful for a Savior, for Jesus Christ, who delivers us out of darkness. He doesn't leave us in darkness, but rather He pulls us out of that darkness and He helps us to walk in the light, as the Bible says, as He is the light. He said in John twelve forty six, I am come to the, uh, a light into the world that whosoever believeth on Me should not abide in darkness. And praise the Lord! You don't have to be in darkness this morning. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and that listen, uh, He came to deliver us and to rescue us out of that darkness. I don't want to spend a lot of time there. Uh, I have six things that we're going to look at, and I usually only do three. So, uh, so you know, you, you'll have to number your paper more than three times. All right, uh, six six points I have, and so the first one is that Jesus Christ is our deliverer. Man, what a blessing! To know that He delivered us from that power of darkness, Jesus is a, a deliverer. Not only is Jesus a deliverer, but look with me in verse number fourteen, and I won't spend a lot of time here either. But uh, but we know this. The Bible says in verse fourteen, in whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Not only is He our deliverer, in verse number thirteen, I want you to notice in verse number fourteen, He is our redeemer. Now, what does it mean to be redeemed? Redeemed means that uh, that the word physically means to purchase back. In other words, when God created man in the Garden of Eden, listen, uh, that was God's creation. And man belonged to God. What happened? Uh, Well, Satan came along and he man, and man fell into sin. And at that moment, uh, man was lost. And uh, and you could say it this way, that the devil uh, stole man from God. You could kind of say it that way. And so what happened is God knew, uh, hey, listen, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and purchase man back shed His own precious blood to be the sacrifice. And the Bible says that right here in this verse. He says, Who hath, uh, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins." It says in Ephesians 1.7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." Almost the same words. The idea is that, listen, that Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross of Calvary so that you and I can be uh, saved and we can be born again. Uh, we were singing that song and, and, and just the love of God. It amazes me that God would love us. I mean, you think about, I know who I am. You know who you are. And you know things about yourself that you would never share with me. And I know things about myself that I would never share with you. But you know what? God knows all of those things. And He still loves us. That's what amazes me. That God Himself would love us and that He would care for us so much that, hey, He would send His own... Uh, Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary. That is the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He redeems us. He buys us back. And in the Bible, we were looking at the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit this morning in the adult Sunday school class. And, and he says uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul is writing and he says, What? Know ye not that your uh, body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And he goes on in verse number 20, he says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm thankful that He bought us back with His precious blood. He redeemed us and He forgives our sins. So we can see in verse 13, He is our Deliverer. We can see in verse number 14 that He is our Redeemer. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on these next few as we look at this. Look with me in verse number 15. This is kind of amazes me. The Bible says in verse 15, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. I want you to notice this, that He is the image of God in the flesh. Now, we know that. We don't dispute that. But there are some who would actually dispute that Jesus Christ physically walked on the earth. Now, it's, this has come about in recent years, and honestly, it's the most absurd, foolish thing in my mind that could possibly come to light. Uh, but, but some people uh, just want to dismiss the fact that Jesus Christ lived on this earth. And it's amazing. I looked up, I thought, I'm going to find out what the historical evidence is. And Jesus' existence was substantiated. We're talking about history. It was substantiated by many historians within a few couple hundred years. Uh, the Roman historians, the Jewish historians, the secular historians referenced Jesus Christ and, uh, and some very clearly believed that He was not God, but they acknowledged, hey, He was on this earth. By the way, isn't it funny that we use uh, A, D, and B, C, and it does not stand for contrary to popular belief before Christ okay, it's Latin, and I don't recall off the top of my head what it does stand for, but it's not before Christ, uh, but, but it does hub right around the birth of Jesus Christ, and we use the old time, uh, B.C., and then we switch over to A.D., and man, nowadays in school, they want to do away with that. Why? Because it substantiates the fact that Jesus Christ was on this earth. They don't like that. They want to deny Jesus Christ, the fact that He was on this earth, and they don't want to believe that, and they don't want to follow through with that. But listen, the Bible tells us right here in verse number 14, or verse number 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God? You think about this. We don't know what God looks like in all reality. We don't even, honestly, we don't know what Jesus looks like in all reality. I mean, uh, you know Jesus came... Jesus came before technology had advanced and there's no photographs of him. There's not. You say, well, I know what he looks like. He's got long hair. Listen, that's, that's an author's invention of what Jesus Christ looked like. Uh, that's not, that's not, he didn't have Jesus sit down and he, and he painted that picture of him. Uh, That came years after Jesus was uh, physically on this earth and it was just kind of what some guy thought that Jesus looked like. We don't have uh, an image of who Jesus is. I believe God did it that way on purpose because man would run off on idolatry and start uh, fashioning idols after Jesus and man would start worshiping idols instead of worshiping uh, God, who He was. Uh, But we find that, listen, when Jesus did come, he was the image of God in the flesh he took on man's body and he was God that walked on this earth now history may not tell you that but the word of God does and i'm grateful that we don't follow just what history says i don't mind referencing history but i tell you what i follow what the word of God says look with me in john chapter 1 i love john chapter 1 it is a most wonderful chapter save your spot in colossians as we'll be back there. But John chapter number 1. And verse number 1. I, I, when, when everybody, when, whenever somebody gets saved. And they ask me what they should do. The first thing I tell them is read the Bible. And the first thing I try to encourage them to do is read the Gospel of John. And the reason I do that is because, listen, the Gospel of John is is written very simplistically and it's easy to understand, and it definitely shows that Jesus Christ came to to minister to the world. What a wonderful Gospel. In John chapter number 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, "...in the beginning..." was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So right in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we find out that, hey, there's two things. There's the Word, and there is God. And they were both in the beginning. And the Bible says in verse number 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And He goes on, and He talks about that Word, and how He was in the very beginning. Jump down to verse number 14, and look with me what it says. And the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what that is? That's Jesus Christ that came to earth and was made flesh. And the Bible says there in John 1.1, hey, the Word was in the beginning and the Word... uh, Let me go back. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it shows very clearly that hey, the Word is God. Those two are one and that that word was made flesh. And listen, Jesus Christ came down to the earth and he took on the form of man and he became the image of God here on this earth. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The express image of God. What an incredible statement that Jesus Christ walked on this earth and He was and is God to this very day. Could you imagine? I would have loved to lived in that day, to be honest with you, just to see Jesus Christ. I'm kind of glad though I, I, I have the completed Bible. And that I have a a better knowledge and a better understanding of things. I'm sure they did not understand all of that uh, when they walked on this earth. And I'm glad that we do have the Word of God. Uh, But listen, uh, His appearance in the flesh. You know, God came to this world and He took on the form of man. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to feel hunger. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have feelings and, and, and uh, all of those things that, we, that that go along with humanity. God understands every part of that. The Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin, and He understands our humanity because He became Human and walked on this earth just like we do. I'm grateful that he's the appearance of God in the flesh. Look with me in verse Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Verse 16 gets really interesting. He says here in verse number 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven. And in earth. I want you to notice not only his appearance in the flesh, not only that he's the, uh, the deliverer and the redeemer and that uh, he, he's the image of God in the flesh and, and that we find also he is the author of everything. The Bible says, for by Him were all things created. Uh, We get get excited around Christmas time because we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But understand this, Jesus being born on this earth was not His beginning of his existence. Jesus existed far before He was born on this earth. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us right here that He was active at the time of Christ because He is God. And He goes all the way back to when man and the world was being formed and He created, the Bible says, all things. He is the author of all things. Look there in verse 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth. I love that. Listen, the Bible is very clear. He created all of it. He created what's in heaven he created the sun, the moon, the stars. These people out there looking for uh, life outside of earth. They, they can look for God's Word. I think He would have told us if there was life outside of earth. I think God only put life on earth. And then He sent His Son to die for that sinful life on this earth. That they could be saved. They're out there looking. Listen, God, cre- God hung all those stars in that space. He's the author of everything. I love the fact that he says he's the author of, he's the creator of things in earth, of things uh, in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, I love this, visible and invisible. I thought, I was thinking about that for a little bit. And I thought, what an incredible God. Did you know there are things that we just physically can't see? There are particles floating all around this room. One time I was at a science something and... and. Uh, I don't know, and and they had this box, and they had uh, particles, and 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 they they had discovered a way to make it visible, like an electron and, and a neutron, and and all those little parts and those particles, and and when they fly through the air, they had made it visible, and I was I was captivated by watching those. I was like, this is going on in in the air right now, and he's like, it goes on everywhere, it goes on all the time, and and I thought, man, the stuff that we can't even see that God has created just blows my mind. Really, if you think about how wonderful God is to the smallest, minutest thing that the, the human eye cannot even see, it amazes me. But not only that, I thought of this, the angels were created beings as well. We don't see angels. We know they're out there. We know that several of many of them fell and became demons, and and we know that they're there. But listen, we also know they're created beings, and that Jesus Christ was before them. He's not equal with the angels. He's higher than the angels because He is God, and He did create the angels, and He did create everything that exists. And listen, if we think about the fact that that's Jesus, hey, listen, the author has the authority... To do what he will. If you're writing a book, if you're an author of a story, and, and you're gonna write a story and, and you're gonna come to the end of that book and you're gonna write it, you're gonna write, you, you are the author, you have every right to write it however you want. I might not like how you end it, but you're the author and you have that authority. Listen, God is the author and he has the authority in our lives. We ought to give Him the authority. We allow Him to work in our lives. We find that, listen, He is the author of all things. The Bible says back in John 1-3, where we were, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in verse 17 of Colossians 1, uh, we find this. He says, uh, and at the last part of it, it says, and by Him all things consist. Did you know they talk about the sun burning out? They talk about the meteors coming and, and, and crashing into earth. Did you know God keeps everything spinning? He's got it all under control. You don't have to worry about this and that. And many people, uh, man, I, I tend to worry. I'm a worrier. Listen, I don't worry about things coming and crashing into earth. That's not one of the things I worry about. But you don't have to worry about those things. You know why? Because God's holding the sun in place God's got it all worked out. He knows how long it needs to burn for. They talk about the sun burning out and going dark. And listen, God's got it all under control because by Him, all things consist. He has it under control and He is running all things as He would. And, uh, and you don't have to worry about it because God is the author of all things. Look with me at verse 17 there. Not only that, it says, and He is before all things. The first and the last. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. And I want you to see this. Save your spot in Colossians. We'll be right back there. We won't spend a lot of time here. But I want you to see this. Revelation 1 and verse number 8. Revelation 1.8 We're talking about the first and the last and He is the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet and so therefore He is the beginning and He is the end. It says here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 8, He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come the Almighty. Look with me in verse number 11 saying, "I I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Jump down with me to verse number 17. And the Bible says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first And the last. We find that, listen, that uh, that God, or Jesus Christ specifically, He is the beginning. We saw that He is in creation. He was creating things. He was part of that creation process. Listen, not only is He in the beginning, and not only is He uh, uh, in our life when we trust Him as our own personal Savior, but listen, He's all the way to the end. And by Him all things consist. He's going to keep maintaining things. And He's going to keep holding us. And He's going to keep us safe in salvation. Listen, uh, until, until everything passes away, and hey, we're in heaven. He is for all eternity. He is God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He's not going to change. He's always the same. You and I, we change. You and I, things change in our life. But listen, the promises that God has made you will forever be because He doesn't change. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. And He's the end. And He's in control of everything. And we don't have to worry about Him. He's the, uh, uh, he's the deliverer. He's the redeemer. He's the uh, image of God. He is the creator or the author of all things. Uh, and by Him, all things consist. He is the alpha or the beginning and the end. And then I want you to notice in verse number 18, I love this. He says this, He is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence? He's the head of the body, the church. I started thinking about that and I thought, I'm amazed at science, to be honest with you. Um, There's a lot of body parts they can replace. I mean, you think the heart is probably the central and and one of the most important organs, no doubt, in the body. But did you know that they can take your heart out and put a new one in? It is amazing, to be honest with you. I read of somebody, uh, because I I like science, I'm just kind of amazed by it, uh, that uh, uh, their heart stopped working, and so what they did is they installed a pump and uh, and the heart didn't beat anymore, but it was open. All the valves were open, and they installed a pump, and it was battery operated. and uh, And that thing would just, pump, and you would take their pulse, and they had no pulse, but they lived because that pump kept circulating their blood through their body. It's kind of an amazing thing. They can change your heart. They can change. Uh, they can change a lot of things in your body, but you know what? They've never figured out how to change your head. Some of us might we could use a change of head. I don't know. But they've never figured that out. You know, your head controls everything. All those nerve endings run up into your brain and send little pulses back down through to the ends of your fingers, to the tips of your toes. It's amazing. And Jesus Christ is the absolute most important thing of all time because He is the head of the church. Without the head, without Jesus Christ, the church will not operate. Without, without following what the head does and says, uh, listen, then, then we're not running properly, and Jesus Christ is the very head of the church. He is the most important thing for the church. As I thought about that, what is the church? The church is not this pulpit. It's not this floor. It's not that roof. It's not these walls. It's not those pews. The church is you. It's the body of believers. The church is a baptized body of local believers that assemble together. And as I think about the fact that, listen, Christ Jesus is the head of the church, that means that, listen, in every one of our lives, He needs to be the head Of our life. He needs to be in control. Look with me at the second part of that verse. He says that in all things, He might have the preeminence. What is preeminence? Preeminence is the most important spot or the most important thing that there's nothing more supreme uh, than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to make Jesus Christ the most important thing in our life. I mean, look at all that He's done for you. He's the Deliverer. He's the Redeemer. He's the image of God. He is, uh, he is the Creator, uh, the Author of everything. Uh, he is the, um, the Alpha and the Omega. And listen, He is the most important part uh, of our life, and He ought to be number one in our life. Because the Bible says that He might have the preeminence, the most important thing in our life. Many times we get distracted. We get carried away with other things. I want to encourage you this morning. Make Jesus Christ the most important thing in your life. Make sure He's number one in your life. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. Listen, whether you're young and you're, you're looking forward in your life and you're saying, man, I wonder what I'm going to do. Make Jesus number one in your life. Maybe you're older and you say, man, I'm retired and most of my life is behind me. Make Jesus number one in your life, the number one priority. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. The fact of the matter is we all need to make Jesus number one in our life. Because he is the absolute most important thing. This entire book was dedicated to Jesus Christ. You go through, you can find Jesus Christ written on every page. You can find uh, the life of Jesus all the way from the beginning of creation all the way through to His death, burial, and resurrection all the way to the fact that, hey, He's coming again. And He's going to, the Bible says, uh, catch us away or receive us up into the clouds that we may always be with Him. And listen, He's coming again and we ought to make Him the very center and most important part of our life. He's the deliverer. He's the redeemer. He's the image of God. He's the author of everything. He is the Alpha and Omega, and He is the absolute most important thing of all times. The Bible says that He might have the preeminent. Where does he come in our life? If we had to put it on a scale of what's important, somebody said this, they said, said, if you're not sure what's important in your life, open your checkbook and look. You'll see your priorities listed right there. There's a lot of truth in that. But evaluate your life. Where does Jesus fall? Not just in your finances, but in your time. And in your priorities of your life. Where's Jesus? He ought to be number one. He ought to be the most important thing in your life. He's done all these things for you. and We need to make him number one in our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you. For being our deliverer and delivering us from the power of darkness for being our Redeemer and saving us and forgiving our sins, washing our sins away with your precious blood. God, for being the image of God, coming to this earth, knowing what we feel, knowing how we live, walking among us. God, for being the author of everything, what an amazing, incredible God you are and holding and consisting everything, being the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and God the head of the church. Oh God, may you have first place in our life. May you have priority and preeminence in every area of our life. Finances, time, priorities, God, that we would elevate you to first place. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. God, I pray that you would, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that you would help them to put their faith and trust in you this morning. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play with heads bowed and eyes closed, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Where's God in your life? See, first place, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Well, I'm not saved. You can be saved this morning. You can put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll save you. Maybe you want help with that. You want him to be your deliverer. You want him to be your redeemer. We'd be more than happy to show you from the word of God how you can make him your redeemer, how you can make him your deliverer. That's why he came, because he loves you. He wants first place in your life.